Today's episode of The Ride is brought to you by Soft Ride. Welcome back to The Ride. I'm Michaela, And I'm Nicole. And this week we have a special episode. We are kind of reverting back to our season one style where we are reading a profile. So I will be reading a profile on Sherry Servey this week. And I hope that you guys really enjoy it. I know that being a barrel racer, I learned a lot actually in this episode. There were some things that about her previous husband's death that I was unaware of and how she really overcame it as a person and just with life and she's so successful and she made such a rebound afterwards and it just really goes to show what a horsewoman she is and she's worked with horse and rider quite a bit so back in when this profile was actually written by senior editor Jenny Forsberg Meyer it was in 2005 so she was working a lot with horse and rider in that time frame so we have a lot of barrel racing Sherry Servey content from back then that we're excited to share with you and we just really hope that this episode is one of your favorites now. Yeah and I think the really cool thing about Sherry is that you don't have to be a barrel racer to know who she is like she's a, a very iconic horsewoman uh, with all of her years in the NFR and everything that she's done for the barrel racing industry. I have never done the barrel racing. I'm not super involved in the rodeo world by any means, but I even knew who she was growing up and I knew Stingray and I knew all about her. So I think a lot of our audience is really going to enjoy listening to her, to her story. Yeah, for sure. And you just kind of touched on something with her being a horsewoman and it reminded me of just a quote that was in the profile that I just want to share real quick so that way people can be listening for it in the actual profile. But it was about her father talking about her being so talented and she's not necessarily better than the competition, but she is such a talented rider because she listens to the horse. It's not because she's out there trying to win every time, but she is truly a partner in the horse. And before we get to that profile, let's go over some current events that are, are going on in the world today. Yeah, for sure. So you actually are going to be attending the Summer Slide tonight, which is currently happening in Denver. It's at a raining event, if you guys aren't aware. Yeah, and it's been really interesting. This was my first uh, horse show that I've gone to since uh, COVID-19 has kind of adjusted the way that we go out in public. Um, but it was really interesting. Um, you know, Denver and, and Colorado in general has made it very clear that if people don't follow the rules that they have, the guidelines that they have put in place, that they're going to shut down events because they don't want the uh, COVID numbers to go up anymore. So the horse show has done a really great job with trying to distance people with the stalls, making sure that, you know, other barns aren't right on top of each other and, and making sure that people are, are wearing masks when they are walking around. You know, if you're in the warm up pen and you are, you know, helping a customer and you're on the ground or you're grooming a horse or even an announcer, like everybody is wearing masks. The announcer will take down their mask to, 
you know, let people know what's going on and then put it back on. And, and so everybody has been really, really great about following the rules. I think at this point, it's just a matter of we have to do what we have to do to be able to show. And if wearing a mask means that we can go to a horse show and kind of go back to doing the things that we love, which is showing and just being around all these horse people and, and seeing all these amazing horses, then I'm going to do it. For sure. And I haven't been to an event here in Colorado since they have mandated that we wear masks everywhere. So I was really curious to know, you know, what the announcers were doing and what other people were doing and to see if you really had to wear a mask, if you were on horseback or what all of the different requirements were, because going forward, this might be a thing that we have to do for a little while. So I just wanted to prepare myself for different events. Yeah, in fact, I'm going to be going to a cow horse event here in a two weeks, so at the end of the month, and it'll be my first time showing a cow horse, so that's going to be very exciting, but I was also really, I, I wanted to get a feel for how horse shows are going to be run by going to the summer slide, and of course, the the show producers uh, have their own guidelines that they're creating, so it won't be the, the exact same, but I think it'll be a, a general feel for how the horse show is going to go. But I am pandemic or not, I'm very excited to show. Yeah. And you say it's your first cow horse event, but it's also the first time you've shown in what, nine, nine years? Yeah. My last time I went into the show pen was the 2011 AQHA World Championship Finals. So that it, it's been a very long time and that was in a completely different event. So brand new event, haven't shown in a while, probably going to be a little rusty. I'm okay. Yeah, so, but how excited are you to actually be getting back in the show pen? I know if I were to take that long of a break, I would be chomping at the bit to be able to get back in the arena and do it all over again. You know, I'm not super worried about the whole being at a horse show thing. I, like, yes, I, I definitely will have some nerves the day of, but I'm trying not to think about it too much because I know, like, this is a whole new event. I am going into it green as can be, and, um, you know, it's just, it's different when you have a cow in there. You can simulate it at home. You can work the flag. You can do all these things with the buffalo and the cattle at home, but it's different when you're the only person in that arena, and you are, you know, it, there's just a different pressure and a different feeling, so I just, I just kind of want to get in there and just cruise around and, and get a feel for how it all works. Yeah, and I think no matter what, you'll have to come out of it with the thought that you actually did win something because like going in there and doing that, that's a big win because that's something that, you know, I would love to be able to do that event. That's something that, you know, is so amazing to me and to be able to ride a cow horse is just a dream. So you're being able to actually accomplish that and actually do that on a horse that is absolutely phenomenal anyway. So you're doing really great things, whether you come out the, of the arena and it feels like a total flop or not. Like, it's a win. Yeah, and quite honestly, five months ago, if if you would have told me I'm going to go to a horse show and show in an event that I only dreamed of doing, because I didn't ever think that. I, You know, I, I'm not to get into it, but I'm a millennial and I came into the workforce in one of the biggest recessions that we've ever had in this country. And and just paying a mortgage alone is is a lot, and so I don't I I don't own a horse. I lease. I can't afford high end, you know, training and going to competitions. And so five months ago, if you'd have told me 
I'm showing a cow horse in the middle of a pandemic. I would have thought you were crazy. <laughs> Sorry, that just makes me laugh, though, because, I mean, it's true. To even be thinking that we're still able to compete with our horses in the middle of a pandemic when some people aren't able to even leave their houses. I mean, we are so lucky that we're still able to do what we love to do. Yeah, and speaking of that, you actually spent the 4th of July week getting ready to go to Minnesota for a big rail race. Yeah, so last year I entered a race for The American, for RVTV's The American, and it was a semifinals qualifier, and I made it. So this year, with all of the questioning that's going on on how many qualifiers there are going to be and what's going to happen... I decided that I was going to head back to Missouri for a hot second, let my horses get readjusted to the life in humidity, as we all know is terrible. So let them do that and then loaded them up and went to Minnesota where I tried to qualify. Unfortunately, this time I didn't make it. I might try to enter another qualifier, but that race just wasn't the one where I had much success. It just my horse and I made a couple of errors, and the ground wasn't exactly her favorite, which I know, typical barrel racer thing to say, but it's true. She has different types of ground that she does good on, and it wasn't bad by any means. It just wasn't her favorite, so we did okay, and I was super happy with her. I mean, she has done so much for me in my barrel racing career that it is unthinkable, so after every run, I'm just so thankful that I was able to do that, and the girl who won the semifinals last year, or this past semifinals, she was competing there. I know her. I grew up around her, and she didn't even make it back in that set. She's probably going to try again because her horse is also phenomenal, but it just goes to show that she won the semifinals, and she didn't make it back, so it's okay to not always when. Yeah. And I mean, we could go into depth in this conversation, but I think as horse, uh, as people who compete in the horse industry, we've all had those, you know, moments where you're expecting something great and it doesn't go according to plan. I've had, uh, like I had two years in a row in the world show finals. I had a horse kick at a fly. Like what are the odds of that? And so you just, sometimes you just gotta, just go with the flow and know that there's always going to be another barrel race. And like you said, you can still qualify if you really want to. There's a couple of other qualifiers going on. So so maybe in a couple months we'll be talking about this again and you will be qualified to go back to the American for next year. Yeah, for sure. And kind of going off of barrel racing, the 2020 National Barrel Horse Association Youth World Finals is going to be happening July 18th through July 25th in Perry, Georgia. And I don't know if you guys have listened to some previous episodes where I have talked about flare nasal strips, but I use them, love them on all of my runs. But they are actually sponsoring a Breathe Easy bonus at the NBHA Youth World Finals where contestants that make it into the short go and if they win a division wearing a flare nasal strip, they are eligible for a $100 bonus. So I think that's really cool for the youth kids. And it really just shows the outreach that Flair is doing because the easier horses can breathe, the easier they can compete for us and work for us. So I just think that that's really cool. And it's also really cool that the youth world finals are still happening, you know, because that's another huge event. 
Absolutely. Uh, from there, let's go into the profile so you guys can learn more about Sherry Servi. So we told you earlier in this episode that this episode was brought to you by the team at Soft Ride, and every good horseman knows that the health of his horse's feet and legs are absolutely vital. You know the saying, if you don't have any tires, you don't have a car. Same goes for your horses. So we got to keep them protected. Yeah, standing tied in a stall, or especially if they're moving around in a trailer while you're driving down the road, can lead to fatigue and soreness. It can, you know, drain their energy that would have been better spent with you in the saddle. So Soft Ride's here to help. Yeah, so Soft Ride boots include exclusive deep gel patent orthotics and are the only comfort boot that can be used with or without shoes, which is really cool. And I personally use Soft Ride boots, and I love them on my horses when I'm traveling or stalling on concrete or just stalling for a long weekend to keep them comfortable while we're at an event. Yeah, when I was competing all over the country as a youth, I had a mare who was really tender-footed. I'm talking would step on a rock and get sore. And the soft rides were such lifesavers because the ground was different at every horse show we were going to. We were hauling in the trailer for long hours at a time. It was a lifesaver. Absolutely. And my new favorite thing by Soft Ride that they are coming out with now is the Soft Riders, which are horseshoes that will also help your horse in multiple ways. Yeah, they're designed to help your horse find their comfort angles, resulting in a sounder, more free flowing gait, which is going to, you know, help you guys help you in the long run. Yeah, for sure. So if you want to check out the Soft Riders or any Soft Ride boots, be sure to go to www softrideboots.com to check them out. Courageous Cowgirl. Sherry Servi's stellar rodeo career stalled after the tragic death of her husband in 2001. Now she's running in earnest again and aiming at the top. Sherry Servi is poised to make a comeback. The barrel racer was a dominant threat at Las Vegas' Thomas & Macarena for eight years, until 2001 when she turned in her worst runs ever. Slow is not the style of this four-time WPRA world champion, but in December of that year, her heart just wasn't in it. Two months earlier, her husband, Mike Servi Jr., had died in a private plane crash. Devastated by the loss and missing his emotional support, the then 26-year-old widow went through the motions in Las Vegas, struggling to find solace in her horses and her rodeo family. That she's reclaiming her place among the world's best barrel racers is a tribute not only to the strength of her character, but also to the support of family and friends who rallied around her in the time of her loss. And it's proof, too, of a horsemanship that has its roots in the earliest childhood of this born and bred rodeo cowgirl. Competitive Kid Sherry Potter Servi was born on September 17, 1975, into an Arizona rodeo family. Her parents, Mel and Wendy Potter, were both accomplished rodeo athletes. Her father competed in calf roping at the very first National Finals Rodeo in 1959. He also served on the Professional Rodeo Cowboys Association Board of Directors from 1996 through 1999. Her mother was a successful barrel racer who made the NFR finals in 1970, 71, and 72. 
the Potters also produced rodeos in the 1960s and early 70s. The family lived then where they do today, winters in the small town of Marina, Arizona, just 30 minutes from the Tucson rodeo grounds, and summers near Wisconsin Rapids, Wisconsin, where they have a cranberry growing operation and cattle ranch. Competing in speed events was a way of life for Sherry from the beginning. Her first horse, which she got at the age of five, was a 13-hand, half-Welsh Gymkhana pony. Ginger raised four kids before me, and several others after, recalls the horsewoman fondly. Anything you wanted to do, barrels, poles, roping, whatever, she could do it on autopilot. At 12, the youngster purchased her first Women's Professional Rodeo Association card. She and her older sister generally competed in a dozen or so rodeos each year. Though Sherry rode in virtually every event, later competing on her parents' horses, she loved barrel racing the most. And that's even though it was my worst event, she adds, wearily noting that horse problems kept her out of the high school rodeo barrel finals until her senior year. The competitive team was also a good student at Marana High School and a sharp shooting forward on her basketball team. She was dedicated to the sport, recalls Tori Leitsky, a teammate and lifelong friend. Very hardworking. Then, every night after practice, she'd go home and ride her horses. You don't find that kind of focus in high school kids very often. Going for it. In 1993, Sherry enrolled in Central Arizona College in Casa Grande, competing in collegiate rodeo as well as on the WPRA circuit. She did so well in competition that the following year, at 18, she left college and turned professional, setting as her goal nothing less than a world championship. In barrel racing, as it is in other pro rodeo events, contestants earn their way to December's National Finals Rodeo in Las Vegas through money won at approved events during the regular season. Then, accumulated winnings plus purses won at the NFR determine the world champions. In late February of 1994, the newly minted pro rodeo barrel racer met Mike Servey Jr. at the Houston Rodeo. The handsome 23-year-old team roper and former college quarterback was the son of PRCA board member and Hall of Famer Mike Servi, a stock contractor. We had the same interest, horses, rodeo, and a love of animals, and I liked the fact that he'd done things other than rodeo as well, says Sherry of the Mutual Attraction. He had graduated from college and traveled a lot. He was easy to talk to. In the fall of 94, Mike relocated from Stockton, California to Arizona to be near Sherry. At about the same time, she'd finished qualifying for her first NFR, that December riding troubles, and wound up the WPRA overall reserve champion. Rodeo Duet The couple married in June of the following year and began going down the rodeo road together. We lived in a horse trailer at rodeos, she remembers with a laugh. Sherry made the NFR again that year, campaigning on both troubles and hawk, and this time she went on to win her first WPRA world championship. I'd dreamed about this since I was a little girl, she says. It's really a good feeling. She continued to make the NFR finals every year, finishing in the top three in 1996 through 98. The money she won riding her two talented gildings in the 1999 championship, $245,369, set a WPRA record for the highest single-year earnings. She finished the season with the biggest paycheck in PRCA, crowed Baxter Black in 1999, the columnist went on to note that if WPRA and PRCA monies could be combined, she'd probably have won enough in team roping to leave Las Vegas wearing the all-around cowboy buckle. Mike also had his best year in 1999, just missing the top 15 cut and heading for the NFR. 
Over the next two years, the young couple continued to thrive. They also began to expand their interests beyond rodeo. Sherry began riding futurity horses, and Mike spent part of his summers in Wisconsin buying dairy cattle for resale in California. We were beginning to slow down a little, Sherry recalls. All in all, life for the service was about as good as it gets. Reality Tips On September 11, 2001, Sherry was at the Potter's Wisconsin home watching the events of the day play out on the television. I remember thinking, I couldn't imagine how awful it would be to lose your husband that way, she says. Then, just 18 days later, Mike was returning from a rodeo in Missouri when the small plane carrying him crashed while attempting to land at Marshfield, Wisconsin. I don't know how to describe that time, says Mel Potter. It was a tough, tough deal. Sherry retreated to the Marina Ranch. She was already qualified for that year's NFR, and her mother and friends kept her horses Hawk and Tin Man tuned up for her. In Las Vegas in December, however, she felt disconnected. I'd never been there without Mike, she says. I was uncomfortable around people because they were understandably uncomfortable around me. No one knows what to say in situations like that, so I just tried to avoid everyone. Her focus gone, Sherry won some cash, but was not in her usual form. Afterwards, she returned to Morena where she rode a lot but had no desire to compete. The healing came slowly. The horses helped me a lot, she says, and so did my wonderful family and friends. The first four months, there was someone staying with me every single day. Some came from out of state to do it. I'd always known I had good friends, but over the course of that year, I learned that they were great friends. When she returned to competition in January of 2002, it was just to ride in futurities rather than on the rodeo circuit. In February, she also participated in the Olympic Command Performance Rodeo at the Salt Lake City Winter Olympics. Rodeo Revisited In early 2003, she felt ready at last to return to the rodeo circuit. She loaded up Tin Man and headed to the San Antonio Rodeo. I was really nervous, she recalls. I hadn't been to a rodeo in a year and I'd actually considered never going again. So it was almost like being at my very first rodeo. After placing in her first run, she felt sheer relief. Later, when she realized she was going to win the whole thing, the emotion was overwhelming. It almost felt like I was having a breakdown, she relates. I'd never won that rodeo before, and now to do it with so many of my support group there, my mom and Mike's parents and brothers, it was a huge confidence booster. Apparently so. She went on to win four more rodeos that year, earning her ninth berth at the NFR. There, she won the fifth and sixth go-arounds, finishing fifth in the event and in the 2003 world standings. The following year, she competed young prospects on the rodeo circuit while waiting for Tim Mann to recover from pulled suspensory ligaments in his hind legs. He remained sidelined the entire year, however, quashing her chances to make it to the NFR. But then the tall bay was back in action, and Sherry was campaigning hard for another shot at the championship. Her long-term goal was to be successful at the NFR on a homebred colt. A true hand. Of course, it helps that Sherry is a superb horsewoman. She has the ability to get on anything and make it look good, says Kenneth Springer, a photojournalist who covers the barrel racing circuit. Her timing is terrific. On a trained horse, she'll do better than the horse's previous rider did. On a futurity colt, she'll bring the best out of it. Mel Potter says his daughter excels by staying out of a horse's way. She helps them when they need it, but she doesn't override the way a lot of riders do, he notes. It's like she's part of them. He believes her skills and finesse come from riding in many events as a child. I tried to stay open-minded about methods, observes Sherry. 
Barrel Racing has a reputation for horses not being broke. I hope to give people a way to get their horses as broke as possible so they can handle pressure and be more consistent. Silent Warrior Like many of the most successful competitors in any sport, Sherry pays attention to detail. She's a perfectionist, says her mother. She's intense with a great ability to focus. It's what's made her tough in rodeos she competes against herself. Good friend Tori Leitsky calls her a silent warrior. She's a rodeo star and fiercely competitive to be as good as she is, yet she's not at all cocky, observes the young woman. Not enough people know what a truly good-spirited, kind, and caring person she is. She never has a mean thing to say about anyone, and she doesn't hold a grudge. That's rare in competitive sports. After Mike's death, Sherry helped create the Mike Servey Jr. Memorial Team Roping, which is held each February at the Tucson Rodeo Grounds in conjunction with the La Fiesta de los Vaqueros Rodeo. The benefit has since raised more than $30,000 for the Justin Cowboy Crisis Fund, which aids families of deceased cowboys. Moreover, the horsewoman's concern for animals is as genuine as it is for humans. I'm almost afraid to see her come home, chuckles her father. There's no telling what she'll bring with her. Some new pet, always a little baby. Her current manjury, in addition to two dogs and two cats, includes two minis, the horse and the burro. In addition, she's also rescued a baby coyote and a couple of infant javelinas or wild pigs. They'd been abandoned, notes Mel. She raised them up and they were just like a couple of dogs, a part of the family, until Fish and Game confiscated them. Sherry has other collections too, including an almost complete set of painted ponies, modeled horses, and her late husband's display of Mexican bits. Both are conspicuously on view at her parents' guest home in Marana. She likes to be close to her family. What's really important in life has been reaffirmed to me by Mike's death, she says thoughtfully. You can't take anything for granted. Perhaps partly as a reminder of these sentiments and more, she wears her late husband's wedding ring on the thumb of her right hand. I love my horses and I love rodeo, but there is a life besides rodeo, she adds. Then again, one of her favorite motivational saying, she's fond of them, is, if you're not out there practicing, know that someone else is. With that in mind, she puts in plenty of hours in the saddle each week, which is yet another reason we can expect to see her in the spotlight for some time to come. Thanks to Soft Ride Boots, the makers of the new Soft Riders Horseshoe, for bringing us this episode of The Ride with Sherry Servey. Remember, Soft Riders are now available in a variety of options to keep your horse sound in the arena or on the trail. For more information on all of the products that Soft Ride offers, visit www.softrideboots.com. Thank you guys for tuning into The Ride Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and please be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow Horse and Rider Magazine on social media and find us at horseandrider.com. If you guys have any questions or comments, please be sure to hit us up at horseandrider at aimmedia.com. We want to hear from you guys. And if you like what you're listening to, be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. How many stars, Michaela? Five stars, please.